RC LA Nation version 2.0. I am Dan, and I got a little news for you. You guys, are you ready for this? I'm ready. Um, maybe. I've done a little podcasting in the past. Done a little bit. I've done a <laughs> wee bit of <laughs> podcasting. <laughs> Couldn't help it. Had to be done. Sorry. Not really. So the guys are here. Nick, Justin, Jesse. What's up, dudes? Stop. Not much. What's up, man? Jesse, uh... You got a little, new little toy in the garage, I see. I do have a little toy in the garage. Uh oh. Is it? <laughs> what is it? Tell us what it is. What is it? I'm a big kid now. Yeah, somebody upgraded from the little ranger that I previously had to a to truck a, with uh, balls. To a truck with some balls. That's right. Nice. Not huge balls, but pretty decent sized balls. Yeah. Well, a truck so. that can drag balls. Yeah, right. exactly. Now I ended up getting a. Uh, I'd been looking for a while. I was trying to be, trying to be patient and wait for right deal. Didn't want to break the bank, so got a 2005 Chevy Silverado, three quarter ton. Silverado, Silverado, Chevy Silverado, <laughs> driven off a tornado. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so many lines I'm waiting all mind right now. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Most That's of right. which can't be actually said on the podcast. You know, we may have to put a link to that video now because you know a lot of people are going, "What? What are they talking about?" I think you know what. <laughs> I will link Silver that. Radio. Yeah, that's right. That's a uh, that's worthy. So, huh. yeah. The, the way I look at it is, it's the first step in my, you know, achieving my fun fly setup that I'm looking for. Because the the ultimate fun fly setup that I have in my mind is. A heli trailer and a sliding camper so that I can still get the heli trailer to the field. And so, you know, the truck had to come first. There's no sense shopping for a camper if I don't have nothing to put it in. Yeah, that looks silly. It's not going to be no fun sitting in the driveway in my camper. <laughs> so the camper like, is the next step? The the camper, I think, will be the next step. Um, and then that way I can still, you know, go camping in it, go to fun flies in it, and then add the heli trailer after that. Huh. Would be would be the goal, the master, the master plan starting to come together. So. You got it all figured out, don't you, Mister uh. Man? Yeah, he should by now. Took him damn long enough to figure out what he was going to buy. Oh my god! How, how, how often did, did it take you, Jesse? I, can you? I I'd like. I've some honestly only on been that. ready to buy for four weeks. Like ready to walk in, pull the trigger, and buy a truck if if the right price, right deal came along. For four weeks. Did Nick come take a look at it for you? No. No. He's busy. Couldn't. What? Yeah, yeah, we were what, swamped at work. And I, oh, yeah. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Damn job gets in the way every time. Yeah. No, I. that was the first thing that came to my mind, though, is I, 
I did want Nick to uh to take a look at it, you know, just that I don't know. I, you know, I crawl under the thing, do all the normal checks, but I'm definitely not going to be able to look at it under with the same critical eye that Nick would be able to. So, you know what, why Jesse? did it take you, know you so long, Jesse? I was waiting for a deal, dude. He can't oh. buy anything at just normal. It's got to be. It's well, got to be on sale. No, no, no. I just didn't. It's, He's it's not like, impulsive. Like I'm not impulsive. I knew what I wanted to get, so I was waiting for the right price. I set myself a budget. Probably the worst thing I did was I did go to the dealership and drive some really expensive trucks. A um, couple really expensive and then some that were just pretty expensive. That was that was a bad decision because for a while there I was trying to reason. Hmm. Forty thousand dollars for a truck is doesn't seem so bad. You just you have way too much self control and common sense and reason and yeah. long term goals and all those things that get you in the way. Probably do of... comparison shopping at the grocery store, right? Oh, geez, yeah. Do you do? Uh... And Kayla's like, just buy the freaking just gallon buy... of milk. <laughs> yeah, coupons. Do you do coupons. No, I don't really do coupons. Okay. No, no, no. No coupons? But, nope. Not a coupon clipper. <laughs> All right. Enough of the top. Enough of the top. 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 Well, Dan, Dan just brings that up because you know, I think you're looking for a truck too, aren't you? Yeah, I'm a little jealous. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I did drive a Duramax today for 80 miles. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, 2010. Nice. Yeah. Then you're trying to reason I with wanted yourself. To, I wanted to like lick the seats to claim it. Oh, yeah, it was nice. I don't think that's how you claim a truck oh, last I checked. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I didn't do it then because I sure would have felt foolish. <laughs> it's mine. I licked the seats. You dumbass. They're just looking at you like, what, <laughs> what is the? wrong with you? Dude? That's awkward. So, yeah, what uh, what'd you do heliwise this week, man? Anything, uh, you know, fly anything, crash anything? Yeah, it was a it was a pretty uh, solid week. I didn't get out a bunch during the week, but as if you remember back to last week, we recorded on Thursday night, mm-hmm. so completely threw off my normal. You know, oh, I'm gonna get off work early on Friday. I'm gonna make it out to the field, get in a bunch of flights, and then have something to freaking talk about on the show. So completely threw that routine off. So now that's carrying over to this week, where we are once again recording on a Thursday night. But luckily. I have last Friday to talk about it. So <laughs> it just had to do a little bit of a circle there. No, last last Friday uh went out to the field and you know it was a it was a great day, I guess evening at the field. It was one of those where I brought the pop-up tent, brought the ice chest, Kayla came along, so you know, packed some snacks and some drinks and I think it was probably three o'clock in the afternoon. It was just starting to I think the hottest part of the day was just over, going to be over shortly, and loaded up the helis and out to the field, got out there, set up the pop-up tent, brought some chairs, and started doing some flying. So, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I know you know, Nick came out, and Kim and Auden, and uh, we just had a really, really good time. Um, got a chance to fly, let's see, I flew your 700, Nick, the 500, and the 570, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think I got a chance to... To fly all of them so mm-hmm. uh, that's really cool kind of keeps know, a little bit of a reality check for me right when you're you get so used to flying your machines your helicopters you get used to the way you tune things um, it's really cool to just take a step back and go you know fly someone else's helicopter and kind of get their perspective 
And it always really amazes me when I fly Nick's heli, just because, and you know, we've said this before, how you're constantly hitting the limits of travel on your sticks. Oh yeah. And so when I go to fly your heli, I'm, I, when I'm flying, I'm, I'm just sitting there going, how the hell does he make it move that fast all the time? <laughs> because for me, I'm not used to hitting the ends of the stick. So when I go to fly yours, you know, it's, just doesn't seem as quick and responsive, but uh, it's I'm, not. I have had the same exact experience, well, Jesse. Because I watch Nick fly, and I'm like, man, his yeah. heli is really moving. But you got to remember, his sticks are all the way at the end, so that's you know that's that's yep. not my normal through. When I yeah. first flew the 570 a few months back, I was like, what? You're screwing with me. Like, well, you're allowed was, to use the whole stick throw. I know you're right. I'm just not used to that. I mean, you you bought Plus, it. I don't fly you as hard as you. <laughs> you did you pay for all of you it. Did you did for pay it, for all so. of it. That's right. So yeah, that 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 always is a little bit of a surprise just to see you know how somebody else gets used to their model, and then you know they basically almost look the same flying in the air, but it's just so much different at the transmitter level. And then the other cool part was uh, you got to realize that you'll never actually want to buy a goblin because you got to fly some. Yeah, I couldn't, you know, I I had to put my sunglasses on and and not be I could, seen. Like, yeah, I couldn't uh, be seen that I was actually looking at it. Um, yeah. Probably nah, I wasn't blinded by the awesomeness. Blinded by the blinded. awesomeness. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it was no, they they flew pretty good. Another thing that we we kind of did which is interesting as well is whenever you're kind of having that, you know, you think your heli might be doing something, but once again, you're not sure. Just because you kind of got used to flying it like that, or you just couldn't quite put your finger on it. And then you let someone else fly your helicopter without telling them the issue. Um, and they pick up on the exact same thing to confirm it. So on Nick's, uh, it was the 500. Yep. And it was, re- it was really odd. I'm not sure if it did. Did you ever figure it out, Nick, if it was a V bar thing or uh I have a thing, feeling it's just a it's just a blade thing a, now because you know either th- that and or it's got to be I think it's a blade thing in combo with uh running the larger heavier packs. Oh, okay, so um, so basically what it is is the the collective doesn't feel linear. No, it's like it there's a bunch of I mean think about it like there's a bunch of expo in your collective right around center. It just feels yeah. Slow around center, you mean, Jesse? Yeah, 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 exactly. And it doesn't want to get moving until you almost hit the end, and then it takes off. And it's always, you know, I remember when I got it, kind of thinking like, "Wow, something's just something feels a little bit off." And I, I really have kind of gotten used to it. But that's also, you know, that heli is the one that I do a lot of like, uh, you know, proficiency test practicing on. It's my smooth, mm-hmm. just cruise it around at lunch and. You know, I'm never going to get into a groove during a couple flights at lunch. So I just go out there and really focus a lot on my orientations and Mobiuses and all that. And you don't yep. notice it. But when you really start hammering on it and doing TikToks and stuff, it um, it, it is obvious. And I kind of wanted to know if I was just going insane. So, so yeah. I had Jesse fly it. So, yeah, pretty good. Pretty good reality check. And then the last thing, which is painful, very painful to admit on the podcast. But my batteries are in such poor, poor, poor shape that I had to 
like not fly my electric helicopter last Friday. What? <laughs> I I literally took the blades off of it and put them on the N7. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're telling me that the batteries are so dead. Yeah. yeah. You can't That's even That's what fly. I'm telling you. I mean, if I want to no. go up there and hover. How, how did how did you allow it to get to that point, dude? I'm sitting here asking myself the same exact thing. Cheap ass. That sounds like neglect. So, <laughs> wow. Are they going to come take my hellies away? <laughs> yeah. They... <laughs> you can't You can't have these. Anymore. Yeah. Call the HPS on you. Like yeah. The, the heli protective services. <laughs> yeah, damn, nice. <laughs> okay, but out nice. with it, Jesse. Why? Just why? Just why? Yeah. Honestly, they, well, they've been degrading, but they definitely took a turn for the worse, I guess. I don't know. They're, they're horrible. They suck. In fact, I'm so. So you got I'm some so new committed. ones coming? No, that's great. I'm no, saying, I, why I haven't will. you got new ones? <laughs> okay. Well, first, I bought a truck. Now, tomorrow is payday, and there will be some new batteries ordered. Okay, there story. you go. End of story. I do have an old set. Well, old, so who knows how much better they're going to be. They're very low flight count, but they are the same age as these other batteries of 3,300 milliamp packs. So I'm going to throw those on. It should be fun. Kick it around. For two and, and a half minutes. Honestly, that's the <laughs> that's the thing I love. Sounds like me. Yeah. Oh man, it's great for two and a half minutes. Two and a half minute wonder, and it still only has two blades. You know, I was out there. Okay, so like I mentioned last week, though, that did force me to fly the nitro, go back through, tune the nitro up, and get the thing going. And I'm just standing there going, "Man, why don't I just fly all nitro helicopters?" Because I all absolutely do love the disc loading. I love how light they are. The nitro motors produce plenty of freaking power to do anything I need. And yeah, it was just just a hoot to keep you know one flight after the next, just keep flying the nitro. So in that respect, it was good. But yeah, I need packs. <laughs> Bad. Like a couple <laughs> weeks ago, months ago. Mm-hmm. So half a year ago. Probably six months <laughs> ago. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever. I'll take it because yeah, it is. It's pretty ridiculous. So, so I'm guessing you didn't buy anything this week. Nope, just a giant heli hauler. No buy. Did you sell to fund your heli hauler? No, I didn't. I did not have to sell anything. I, yes. I'm getting pretty thin on you know extra stuff just laying around. I really did. Um, kind of when we moved into the new house. I was going through cleaning out drawers and stuff, and I really did pull a lot of those extra electronics out, and extra stuff, and um, just kind of got rid of it. So there's not a whole lot, a lot of stuff just kicking around. So yeah, that that uh, that wraps up my week. Having a trailer full of new hellies isn't anything to complain about, but we're still talking about the same old dumb-thumbing, triple-sow-cowing, Charlie Chaplin autoing pilot behind the sticks. Now, I'm not exactly easy on my helis, and when I need parts, I need them fast. This is where Lower Heli comes to the rescue. With a great variety of my personal favorite heli parts and batteries, no matter how bad the crash, I'm sure to be able to get right back in the air to do it all over again. Fly lower at www.lowerheli.com.
I'll go because I was there. That was a nice. That was a nice evening to get out and fly. Not a lot of fun. It's cool to be able to go out and fly together, and then have the families come out and just kind of hang out. And I mean, we put. Well, I I got a lot of flights in. Yeah, I got a. I think you might have got a couple more than me, but yeah, it was a yeah. fair amount of flights. Just a lot of fun dinking around, and like I said, had him try all of them just for you know. You get one that's like really close, and my 700 still my favorite as far as not just it's just got the best tune on it out of all of them. Mm-hmm. It's very very linear, no issues. You just hammer on it and fly it. Uh, the 570 is definitely not bad, but it's just got a very unique tune to it, and I still am not sure why. For some odd reason, the you just, I mean, everything is so much lower than normal, even the flip and roll rate. So it, it, it requires a just completely different mentality when you tune it. And I'll kind of put a bunch of flights on it and then think I got it nailed. And then I go back to the 700. It's like, oh, yeah, no, you're not as close as you think that you are. Um, still really enjoyable to fly. Um, and, and I mean, it's probably. I would say kind of like my number one workhorse. You know, I put a lot of flights on it and just enjoy it because it'll do pretty much everything. But, uh, yeah, the 500, that one's got me a little bit, little bit intrigued. Um, like Jesse had mentioned about packs and I still need to get Dan. I'm still flying the, the packs that you, uh, Jeez. you gave me with it. I'm getting my money pretty dead when they came to you. You know, they've got, I mean, they've got power. It just, doesn't just seem don't to last very long. No, they really don't. For how <laughs> for how for how big they are, they're forty five hundred. Those uh, are the so same ones that I flew when I had the five hundred, right, Nick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They weren't. They've seen better days. Yeah, they have, but that's all right. Probably not as bad as Jesse's packs, but no, they actually will make it through a flight. Well, mine will too. If all I did was hover it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> ouch! Bazing! Wow! Yeah, hey, I don't want to hear no crap out of him. He got he got some firsthand eyeballs on experience of the Piro TikToks. He was even he was eyeballing my sticks while I was doing them. <laughs> oh, I bet he was. <laughs> he was. People eyeball your sticks all the time, Nick. Hey, not my fault. <laughs> Huh. Yeah, it was uh, it was fun though. So yeah, I've got a little bit of work. The tail started acting up on on the seven hundred. I have no idea. I have had this week has just been short. I mean, just absolute short. Not much has gone right. It seems like been really busy getting stuff prepared for this massive ass remodel at home. Um, and then I kind of did a little bit of changing around at work. And so it's like, I'm just physically busting my ass a lot more. And especially now that my shoulder's getting kind of back, back healed up again after the surgery, I can do a lot more and I want to do a lot more, but I'm just dragging, man. I mean, yeah, dragging, but I think... I don't think I don't foresee any flying this weekend. Wow, and, dude, that bad? 
Well, we're going camping this weekend. Ah, okay. Okay. You know, trying to balance the family thing a lot yep. better this year than I have in the past. So that'll be, yep. I think that'll be about it. But, you know, hey, I, I'm kind of taking the attitude that after that, come Monday, I'm going to try and get back to that uh, flying during lunch every nice. day again. Because I do, I really enjoy that. It helps take the edge off of work. <laughs> That's it. Huh. Wow. I can't that... help but notice, Justin, maybe you did too. No mention of uh, power supplies. No mention <laughs> oh, there. Yeah. I, uh, well, see, I thought they were already done and on their way to you, Dan. Oh, really? Were they? They were getting done. <laughs> <laughs> they were yeah. getting... Oh, but hey. Dan, how I... are you enjoying that 12-volt charging? Are you feeling I, the power? I am actually. I've been using it, and um, it's incredible. It gives me an opportunity to, um, you know, take a nap in between. Yeah, I was just flights. gonna say to sleep, <laughs> and warm your hands and stare it in the in the brutal Montana cold and just curl up, you know, into like a fetal position and just start think going, about Why, life, Nick. Why? Think about life. How I got where I'm at. Uh. Guess what showed up this week? Huh. I had mentioned that we were going to do a review on this a while back, but it wasn't even out yet, and I actually kind of totally forgot about it until it did show up. We have the new Revelectrix charger sitting here. Oh, the GT500. That is correct, the GT500. So you will start seeing some pictures posted up about that. Uh, Dan, that does actually give me some motivation to get all of our power supplies done <laughs> to get at least a couple power supplies done. Yeah. At least mine done anyway. Uh-huh. But I mean, if I'm working on mine, then I really have to, because the guilt will probably be overwhelming. I hope it just, just totally overcomes you and makes you break down into an emotional wreck. Uh, that's pretty uh, rare. I might be pushing it. Yep. Is that, definitely. Is that a little over dramatic? Yeah. Yeah. Slightly. Yeah. Now what I think I'm going to try, I, I did some measurements and it, if I, if I crank up a single, uh, Justin, what are those? The H, DPS twelve hundred. DPS twelve hundreds, yeah. Yeah, the DPS twelve hundred. If I crank one of those up and get it into the high thirteen, low fourteen volt range, I can actually get it into a very specific case size that I want to. If I just use one, so I'm gonna try that and see if I can't make a mobile charging case. Because, like, you know, sometimes, so, like, flights at work, if I want to go fly during lunch, um, you know, I usually, on average, I try and keep two packs for each heli. Well, I can still bust out a couple flights before I come home, but I need a way to charge, but I'm not in a hurry, and I don't want to lug around kind of a bigger case. So my thought has been for a while to make as small and as compact as possible of a portable charging case, still with all of the normal stuff in it. So we will Just see how the, that goes. The, the fixed resistor trick. Yep. Yep. On the, I will for on sure. the potentiometer. That's exactly what I have for my Goblin 380 quick charge setup. Yeah. I, I think, 14 I mean, volts. I'm still kind of like not sure if, I, you know, how I feel about the 500 watts, but I'm going to really try and go at it with an open mind and just. You know, see how much I can get out of it uh, with a single power supply. Because to be f- 
fair. I feel like, you know, with 500 watts, it's you're going towards the, you know, the 450 and the 500 class helis, the, like those kind of pilots, the newer guys. They want a good quality charger. They don't need crazy high power. Um, and so I, f- I feel like that's the range. And or someone like myself who's not in a hurry at all. So we'll see. I'm just going to try and keep an open mind and, and we'll talk about the goods and the bads and all that other stuff. So thank you again to uh, Rev Electrics, Jamie over at Rev Electrics USA for sending that out to us. I look forward to it. Are you done yet? I am done. Just done with you. Done with you want me to go? I do want you to go. I had a very eventful week. Oh, yeah, I, and I got to say, I, you know, we'll we'll walk through it here, but I actually think it was it was a uh, it was pretty good overall. So I got out to fly last weekend. Yeah, I sucked it up and dealt with the heat, despite being badgered by multiple listeners on Heli Freak. Thank you guys, appreciate it. <laughs> oh my god, thirty percent humidity. Oh my god, I know. I saw that, Rick. Thanks, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and then he says, Rick dash Atlanta. Yeah, okay, I get it. Right in the south, it's like nine hundred percent. I get it. Anyway, I did get out and got some flying in. Uh, very eventful practice session. Let's just say that. So I'm going to cut right to the chase. I got three flights in on the Diablo speed. I have a new peak speed record. I hit Uh, 315 kilometers an hour. We live in America, please. 196.7. Oh my God. That's like way higher than your last, isn't it? As a, that's peak though, right? That's peak. Previously, my best peak was 285. Uh, Now, that particular run that contained that peak was not nearly as clean as my other runs. And so it's still a matter of harnessing that speed and then maintaining it. And I'm working on that. But now I'm pretty consistent at getting in the 260s and 270s. And this one proved to me that I think I found my trick at least for getting that speed um play like i've been saying i've been playing around on the sim and trying all sorts of different stuff and this one's working it's still a reverse half cuban eight but uh man coming out of the bottom of that if i get it right it really cooks and I'll tell you, it's a lot more about getting rates and expo tuned correctly than I had originally thought, because it's all about making sure that from start to finish, the movement of the heli is fluid. There's no stopping. It goes from the minute the minute you get moving, it does not stop moving until you land. And so into a reverse Cuban down to another speed run, back up into the other one. I mean, I'm bringing so much residual speed into each of the reverse half Cubans that it helps a lot to get whipped back around to the next speed run. So I'm really excited about that. We call that the shake and bake. Is that what it's called? Yeah, shake and bake. Slingshot. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. True. Right, right. Third flight of the day on the Diablo speed. Crash. No, uh, I, I was, I was up in a reverse half Cuban on my left side 
came down into the run about to level out and the tail blows out for a split second. So I'm thinking, huh, I don't think I did anything stupid with the sticks, but let's just see what's going on here. So, you know, slow it down. As I'm slowing it down, the tail kicks again and then it lets go. And now, okay, so let me paint this picture for you. It's this awesome fuselage, right? And it's got a head that's spinning at 2,600 RPM, and it has no tail control. So you that, can see it. And that some bitch is spinning fast, dude. <laughs> I'm talking fast as hell. So surprisingly, I'm not panicking. I'm like, okay, hold on. Let's let's take a deep breath on this one. It had come out. The tail had popped out at an angle. So the heli wasn't flat and I have no idea how, but I watched it for probably about six or seven rotations, which at this speed took about a second and a half (laughs) with a little bit of exaggeration (laughs) and poked and prodded and stirred a little bit and actually managed to get the thing much more flat. Okay. And so at that point, I bring it up a little bit because I was at about, I don't know, 60 or 80 feet, probably brought it up to about 100 feet and uh, hit throttle hold and just went for it. And it, it actually took a little bit longer than I liked to weather vane into position and to stop spinning. Uh, you know, when you when you hit an auto, you're no longer driving the tail. So you don't have that counter torque to drive the body. That's the whole idea behind it. Uh, so the tail's supposed to stop spinning. Thing was, this thing was spinning at light speed. And so it took a number of rotations to kind of burn off that momentum. <laughs> and when it finally did, I started bringing it down and I autoed that heli perfectly. I landed it as beautifully as you could ever imagine about a quarter of a mile away it touches down softly the blades are still spinning as my buddy and i are running up to it excited and cheering and when i get to it it is in pristine condition the blades didn't even touch the grass the one small detail was that the tail case had rotated 90 degrees (laughs) so I, you know, at this point, I'm like, oh, crap. Okay, this could have been a whole hell of a lot worse than it ended up turning out to be. Mm-hmm. And I was still on a high for nailing the auto. Uh, but picked it up, brought it back to the bench. You know, there's not a lot that you can do at the bench other than say, oh, yeah, look, a tail grip came off. And that's what had happened. Uh, brought it back home, took stuff apart, uh, you know, looked at all the different features of the failure actually did a little bit of a, a mini failure investigation, I would call it, because uh, I really wanted to make sure I knew what the heck happened so it didn't happen again. Got on the phone with Chuck Burt at Peak Aircraft. Uh, he's the distributor for Minicopter. Um, Gerd from Minicopter, Germany, the actual designer. And we you know, talked back and forth over the first couple of days of the week. And uh, at first, wasn't really sure what was going on. If, if you can imagine a, a, just a typical tail hub where it's got the hub where it slides onto the tail output shaft and then there are two spindles on either side little shafts that you screw the the grip spindle bolts into and one of the shafts had broken off 
So, you know, immediately I talk to these guys and say, Hey, has this ever happened before? You know, what was it tested to? Well, they tested the Diablo speed up to well over 3000 RPM on the head with the same tail. So we're talking about, it was up at, you know, 15 or 16,000 RPM on the tail. I was only at about 12 and a half or 13. So, uh, you know, unlikely that it, it had anything to do with the design. And so we started brainstorming a little bit more. And when you, you look at the symptoms, I think the most likely cause that I concluded is that I had probably a spindle bolt that was holding one of those grips on backing out over the flights in between pre-flight checks. And, uh, I think this time it came loose and the initial went, or like I mentioned, when I came out of the, uh, into the run, the tail kicked out and then it started spinning. I think the reason the tail kicked out is because that was the spindle bolt letting go, but the grip still sort of stuck on there. And then spinning at that speed, the grip went away. It's probably somewhere in downtown Seattle at this point. And now we're spinning the tail at 13,000 RPM with one blade. And that was catastrophic. So what happened? Uh, so you'd think on a regular 3D heli, if a grip lets go, it's not that big of a deal, right? You auto it down, no problem. The, this gives you appreciation for the amount of energy that's in one of these things at that head speed. The grip let go, it completely destroyed the entire tail assembly. There is nothing salvageable in the entire tail rotor. The shaft was bent at a 40 degree angle. The case bearings were cracked, like the actual casings of the bearings were cracked. Uh, shattered. Um, it twisted the boom 90 degrees. It shoved the boom forward into the uh, belt tensioners, destroyed those. It destroyed the boom and it took a two by two inch chunk out of the back of the fuselage. Carnage. So in, in summary, it pretty much destroyed everything from the tail boom blocks back. The airframe main drivetrain and the head is perfectly fine. Huh. Yeah, lucky, dude. I, dude, and that's why I'm saying. So let, let, here's the deal. Let me. I'll finish up here, and then I'll hit the the uh, the the good and bad behind it. When I got in contact with Chuck and Gerd, they were on the ball. They asked me for the parts list. I got it to them immediately. They have the stuff shipped out between Peak Aircraft in on the East Coast and Germany that day. So my parts are already en route. Um, just freaking awesome uh, customer service on that side. I'd say the best I've ever had in the hobby. Uh, but, you know, when I take a step back and look at this, yes, I just had a failure. Yes, it was likely my fault because I only checked the tail bolts about every five or six flights. And I've never found one that was loose. But if this was the failure, then I probably would have if I had checked it the flight before. So lesson learned number one, the tail bolts, bolts go on my every flight pre-flight check. Uh, two... I don't care what happened. I am immensely proud of having been able to auto that thing safely. Huh. So 
that that was it it was exciting it was confidence boosting because i haven't messed with autos much you know we talked about this after othello i've been playing with them a little bit on the 3d helis but it worked when it mattered so that's a to me that's an illustration of the value of even knowing how to do an auto yeah right can you imagine that thing completely coming out of the sky from that high and that fast oh there would have been over that's it all yeah. except for the crying anyway well there would have been a lot of crying <laughs> you would have uh, been like me when you told me what i did to my bec <laughs> i gotta go well I, I yeah yeah i wouldn't have put it down to black magic i would have known it was it was my fault but in, in a sense, it was actually I, I think it was, uh, you know, a, a hidden blessing that I was able to land it, not just because I didn't have the, you know, the additional damage, but I could actually look at the damage that had occurred. It was all sustained in flight. There was no damage due to the landing. So it doesn't uh, it doesn't muddy the waters in terms of investigating what exactly happened. Right. If it was in pieces all over the field, who the hell knows? Could have been anything. You know, there is a bit of a moral to your story. Yeah. That can relate to even brand new pilots. Okay, let's hear it. And I'll relate a story that I have. It has a, pretty much the exact same thing. I was uh, still just kind of doing pattern flying. And uh, I had a nitro bur- uh, flame out from about mm-hmm. 200 feet oh, yeah. in the air. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'd never practiced autos except for on the sim. And I just, I didn't panic. I just said, well, you know what to do. So I started doing it. And it came down at the corner of the field with no damage. Nick immediately got a phone call. Do you remember that, Nick? Yes, I do remember that. (laughs) I was so freaking proud of myself for bringing that thing down. That was an excited day in that day. It was, man. It was like, because that's the exact same feeling I had that you just were expressing, uh, Justin. It's like, I and I hadn't even really practiced autos in real life. That was my first, like, real auto. Right, uh, right. But, and it was very confidence-inspiring and boosting. That was awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, as as weird as it sounds, and even now after the dust has settled, I, that's why I started with saying there, it was an eventful week, but, damn it, it was good overall. And, yeah, I've got damage, and it's going to cost me some money and downtime, but I got parts on the way. It's going to be ready for the Urcha Speed Cup. And I feel like I've learned some lessons on how to pay attention to the to the pre-flight checks. And it's an experience that I feel like I needed to have. Not just from a standpoint of teaching me, yeah, you can do the right thing when that happens, right? And not flip out and cause a complete failure. But also... I think there's a little bit more, not that there wasn't before, because I'm always very safety oriented and I respect the model, but it's a, it's a reminder of the kind of respect that you need to have. And especially on the speed models, because I'll tell you, you, you know, blade grip comes loose on anything else and it's not going to destroy half the helicopter. In this particular case, it just really, it points out how much energy are in these things. And yeah, I, th- I think it was an awesome experience. So parts should be here next week. 
Uh, that means I won't be able to fly it this weekend, but I've still got the TDR and I'll use that one for, for practice. It's, it's all the same idea, just a little slower. And, uh, I'm going to patch up the fuselage for now, probably do something really corny and stupid. Like I always do, which is, uh, you know, like put a bandaid on it or something really ridiculous in the place where it was damaged. I but can lend just, you some CA in a napkin or two. Yeah. Oh, dude. There you just, go. Just saying. Yeah, works. I was going to fiberglass patch it. It's an easy patch job. When you look at the damage, it wasn't really all that extensive. It's a little tiny chunk. But having, like, if I could do a, a clear gel coat with the napkin see-through, like you can see the napkin, that would be priceless. There you go. <laughs> oh, good idea. I think you should dude. just shoot good. You think so? Yeah. Works for me. Uh, and I, you know, I'll, I'll probably, I, I was looking at getting a different color fuselage anyway, but we'll see maybe after Urcha. Hmm. So anyway, super excited about that. Uh, not really much else to say this week. Other than that, I have officially hit the one month before the speed cup, which now means I am holding myself to simming every single night. I've missed a couple of nights here and there, but from here on out, I will be on the sim every night from now until I get on the airplane. Especially now that I've got the Diablo speed down a little bit. Oh, one other thing. My pre-production X Nova speed motor showed up. Right after I had an issue with the with the Diablo, so <laughs> it's it's freaking priceless. It shows up two days later, and I'm sitting there last night with a a broken Diablo trying to install the motor that I know I won't be able to fly for the next week because I don't have the parts. <laughs> but it is a monster freaking motor, man. Hmm. I'll have nice. more to say about that later, but super excited. I'm I'm ready. It's coming down to the wire. Did you find batteries? Oh, dude, batteries. <laughs> no. The Optipowers are still out. I have I've decided I'm not going to go with the Pulse. Uh a couple of buddies and I have been interrogating the Revelectrics factory in Singapore uh to determine which ones will actually fit in the Diablo speed, and it turns out some of their advertised dimensions aren't actually the right dimensions. So we're still working on it. I uh, There's one that could fit, but if it were to puff, I don't think I'd get it out of the heli without doing surgery. <laughs> oh, shit. So uh, either I replace the fuselage with the, the puffed battery or I just charge that one pack in, in the heli from there out. Got a battery oh, impaction going on. But, wow. you know, I, I wanted to try to get a hold of the high-voltage LiPos, the 4.27 per cell, because it gives us me, me another 2 volts. And from what I understand, the Cosmic is capable of 60 volts, which is 2 volts margin to a fully charged 14S. So I'm going to give it a try if I, can, if I can find ones that will fit. Sweet. Mm. Did you give up on building your own? Oh, yeah, dude, you guys are reminding me. I say, see, now I feel like I've been talking too long. You but have, this but we're used to be talking a lot. It's perfectly I acceptable. did build my own. 
I I tore apart a bunch of Gen Zace 5300 6s and I built two 7s cells. Which I think flown I sent them? at least one or two of you guys pictures of. Yeah, I saw them. Did yeah. you fly them? Uh, I haven't flown them. I've just been playing with them on the bench. You gonna fly them? Uh, How do you play with a battery not. on the bench? Well, I charge it and then I put it on my discharger and discharge it at like 20 amps and hope that it doesn't explode. <laughs> no, I mean, I've been monitoring the temperature, so it, it, it seems to work perfectly fine. Hmm. Yeah, you just got to be for those people who are interested. I, I seriously think you can do it. This one rates in sort of like the advanced level of soldering skills. Because the tabs on the positive and negative electrodes of each cell, the anode and the cathode, are different materials. One of them's aluminum, which you can't solder to with tin or silver solder. You got to use a zinc type solder. And then the other one is a nickel tab, and that will solder uh, to the regular tin, lead, or or silver. So you, you got to get different types of solder, or you can spot weld a nickel tab onto the aluminum tab and then it works perfectly fine sounds like a lot of work it does mm. yeah it was an experiment you're like gandalf of the battery world <laughs> wizard <laughs> a wizard wizard the middle earth we say it all the time we are the 99 percent I have Alan with me to tell me about his experiences with the Soko Heli tool. Well, Dan, I am the 99%, but the Soko Heli tool has redefined the way that I set up helicopters. I've owned the Soko Heli tool for almost six months now, and I've used it on every helicopter that I have. I love it because you can pair it with the app. You can set your swash plate up level every time without using a swash leveling tool. The blades are already tracked before you make your first flight. All you're concentrating on is fly barless tuning because you've done it right and it is exceptionally easy with the Soko Heli tool. Thanks, Alan. Well, there you have it, folks. Straight from the horse's mouth, the heart and soul of the hobby. So if you're looking to find out more about the Soko Heli tool, you can go to www.soko-heli-tools.com. Well, I guess that leaves me, right? It does. I didn't do much, man. I was pretty sick for a good portion. I the whole weekend, the fourth. Did you guys go good? Do anything fun? Go watch firecrackers and all that good jazz. I blew shit up, dude. I didn't get to do jack. No bueno. <laughs> so, yeah, it was not a good week. And then uh, I just, uh, I did get my castle back. My ESC. Nice. Oh, nice. Yeah. Got some normal length wires on there now. Yeah, normal length wires. And I'm going to cut down and probably end up screwing them up again. Screwing it up again. <laughs> Flush yeah, with yeah, the there case you again. go. Consistency <laughs> is the key. That's right. I haven't had a chance to put that on, but, uh, you know, the it's, it's the weather is still shitty hot here. It's supposed to start cooling down a little bit, but not real conducive to good flying when you're not feeling good. I'm starting to feel better. I had a pretty, you know, work's been pretty stressful. But I got to tell you, I... No buying this week, no flying, but I still have to relate how today went because it was awesome. And I know you guys don't want to hear about those which shall not be named, but I have to talk a little bit about it because we were able to get 
uh, a second prototype up, and oh my God, it flies beautifully. And it was a fantastic day. Finally got got to see some fruits of the labor, so to speak. Really excited about that. It's a good feeling. Nice. It's a good feeling. Things are starting to come together. So, what did oh, it I, do while it was flying? I, we were actually flying it, like really flying, oh, like it. manual mode flying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want something to giggle at? What's that? I smashed the shit out of one this week. <laughs> 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 yes, I crashed a multi rotor. How about that? How do you crash? How a did you do that, dude? Didn't we just make fun of people that crash multi rotors? You know what's even better is that it crashed all by itself. It committed suicide. (laughs) (laughs) It's a true statement. When you have your descent rate set too high in your return to land mode, it flies nice and smooth right over the landing area and then drives itself straight down (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh, I was laughing. It was funny. But that's that's why we uh <laughs> why we that's why we kinda test and tune and prototype on four fifties. <laughs> I I have been simming. I got some simming in this week. Really? Working on the nice. pyro stuff, man. Oh nice. Hero, pyro. You say tomato, I say tomato. Pyro, but that's okay. I say tomato. Okay. Nick says pyro, so that means I have to say uh, I'm at pyro. pyro. Yeah, yeah. Oh, didn't pyro. see that one coming. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you get the master, uh, the art of lighting shit on fire down, let me know and I'll come teach you some pirouetting stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of think I'm starting to get it a little bit on the sim. Uh, kind of back where I felt like I was last year where I actually tried some in real life. And we talked about that, I think, last week where I went up to like, 1300 feet <laughs> and lost like, you know, 1200 mm-hmm. feet in elevation trying to get one done. <laughs> no, I didn't quite go that high, but I, th- I think, uh, <laughs> I feel, I feel a real life attempt coming up, uh, this weekend. Yeah. a boy. When you say real life. Yeah. I mean, mean real heli out of less the field. than 1200 feet. No, you know, no 1150. Okay. All right. Now I'm going to do it. I'm going to give it a shot. See what happens. I kind of feel like I'm, uh, I feel like on the sim, I can kind of just have half pyro flips. I can just kind of, you know, handle it. Just remember, man, the whole key to learning him. And I'm being serious. The, the number one thing is that if it starts to get out of shape, just let go of the sticks. Stop. Stop. Let go of the sticks. And you know that just like the Todd Bennett classes, just quit doing everything that you're doing. And then give a nice little roll. That's you know it. what? Just a little roll. I'm going to do something that I have never done before. And that is, I am actually going to set up my bailout on the Icon. Oh, there you go. I wasn't flying Jack's helicopter when he was down, but he was showing me how it works. And um, I, I kind of feel like that's a bit of a confidence booster. You bet. Hey, whatever... Anything is a confidence booster if it helps. I mean, kind of get in your mind. You know what I mean? Even if you never use it. But if it makes you feel better, then I highly encourage it. I've never set it up. I set it up when I was playing around with uh, Bavarian Demon. 
and I was pretty impressed with how, how it worked. But I've never bothered setting it up on any of the icons. Give her a go. And there is a little bit of news. I'm going to try a Spartan flybarless. Oh, oh nice, dude. nice, dude. Yeah, the Vortex, is it the two? Which one is it? Is it 2.1, 2, 1.2, 2, 2, whatever it is? I don't know. The VX1E. VX1, that's the one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to hopefully have that on the uh, E700. Very nice. I'm flying this weekend. And I, the E700 is going to be ready to fly next it's weekend? Re- it's, it's ready. Oh, nice. Well, it's, it's nice. ready minus a fly barless unit because... I had an icon for it. So it's it's Justin ready. Yeah, I mean, it's all together. It's what the hell just... is that supposed to mean, dude? <laughs> I think that was kind of a diss is what that was. Yeah. He, he's got different levels of ready, and none of them are actually like... Yeah, it's not like ready, ready because I need ready. to get a... I'm going to have to learn how to use the... I'm going to have to learn how to set that one up, though, too, so that might... You know, I I don't feel like it was that bad at mm. all. I felt like they they did. Uh, Angelus did a really good job on the software. I never had a. I never felt like oh hmm not just not quite sure. I did yeah. wire in the um, mythical BEC correctly on the uh, on the E seven hundred. Yeah. yeah, and you've confirmed that it actually works without blowing stuff up. Nothing blew up. No magic smoke. Nice. All's well that looks well. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Awesome. Kind of a boring well, week. Yeah. Um, I don't think it was super exciting here either. So. I do think that I I, uh, I I feel more relaxed with what's happening at work now, so I can kind of focus a little more on my helis while I'm there, which is a good thing. So I'm going to be able to start getting a couple of flights in during lunch and stuff like that. And see, uh, it's opposite for me. I'm starting to despise and hate work more, so I'm going to start focusing more on Helly's while I'm there. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the way it rolls, man. It is. I guess that's about that's about it. We have any news this week that you know we can get somebody pissed off at us again this week? I don't really have any official news, we don't but piss people off with our news, Dan. No, not at all. No, no, not at all. I do kind of have one thing that I wanted to bring up. I don't think we need to do like an official, official news. Thing. Unless does anyone else have like news news? News news like news news like, like news news. Does that mean real news? Like actual or? news? Yeah. Like, yes. News. What's, what's happening in not Greece? Kind of news or like <laughs> people are worthless. Um, I wanted to say good luck. By the time you guys hear this, it will be over with, but everyone is over at the whole F3N world championship deals they got going on. You know, I, I, uh, I feel a little foolish. Not going to lie. I haven't had much of a chance to keep up with it. And that's really, I feel bummed out about it because it's something that I would be very interested in. I'm, I'm maybe it's the, the old age kicking in, but I'm starting to really grow an appreciation for F3C, F3N style of flying. And I know it seems to be kind of gaining in popularity. Even Jamie Robertson is 
out hanging over there uh, at the competition. Uh, the U, uh, let's see, he couldn't get a team going, I think, in time or something, but I want to say in 2017, then they're going to do it or something like that. So, I don't know. I think it is, uh, it's just really, it's a really cool deal. So, good luck to everyone, um, Team USA. You guys have all of our support. You know, I think the reason, I don't know, it's, uh, we don't really have any of that in the States to do any of that. I mean, are there any of those competitions around? Yeah, that's a good question. It's, so there's no, if, if we have no exposure to, get to it. into F3C, how do you do that? Yeah, I mean, other where, than where doing it on your own. And would you have to go to Europe or some, you know, all the way on the other side of the world? To well, what about, to compete? are you ready? Are you ready? All of the old people are going to, all the old guys who've been flying for a long time are going to be like, oh, this is ridiculous, you young punks. But isn't that like what <laughs> Nats is? I don't know. I don't think so. I, I, I mean, I don't know. You know what? I think that we have just found a major hole in our education level. <laughs> Just one? And a major one. Uh, I've got many major holes. Well. (laughs) (laughs) Scratch that. They started life as minor, but at this point, they're pretty major. (laughs) Forget I said that. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, you can't go back from that one. I I smell what you're you're cooking there. Maybe we need to... uh... I think it's time that RCHN gets a major education on F3C and F3N. So I think we will be looking into. Yeah, we'll dig somebody up. I think we should, definitely. Yeah, let's do that because I want to learn. Nerd. Yep. Got to embrace it. Anyone else this time next news? year, Nick's going to be hovering the shit out of some stuff. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hey. predicting it here. Here, yeah, dude, that's what's going to happen. I don't know what you're talking about. You're right there with me. What do you mean? I'm right there with you. Your best flight involves a Cuban eight in a straight line at 315 oh, kilometers an hour. Ah, they. Oh, you're to supposed f- to end that with bitches. <laughs> Bitches. <laughs> edited in, Dan. So there close. Just copy and paste. Yeah, but you know we always say they're easy to fly fast. They're hard to fly slow. Yeah, that's true. I heard that, that a lot true. when I was learning. And it is very true. I can go out and pure TikTok, but give me a, like, let's see. Give me a nose left inverted hover. And... It'll it'll happen. I mean, I've done them all, and I can do them, but it ain't pretty. That's for sure. Justin, you going to stand for this? I know Nick's kind of attacked you on this uh, flying oh, of yours. I, I, I uh, you know, I'm, I'm okay. I'm Are thick you? skinned. Yeah. Bottom line is that most people would not appreciate the hovering as much as the speed flying or the 3D. That is very correct. Well, I appreciate yeah. I actually appreciate all of them. I, I appreciate the hovering, too. And I mean, to be fair, it's more than hovering. Yes. Even scale. 
I'm starting to get to where I really appreciate scale a lot more, too. What's going on? Who are you, and what did you do with Nick? Here's the deal. I would want to do scale to have the actual model that looks cool, but I don't know. I mean, like, the flying part of it is not interesting to me. So, like, a snap together would work for you? Yeah, why not? Oh, see, I'm... Little plastic models. (laughs) To me, it's opposite. I, I I have nothing but the appreciation for what it takes to build one, but... I mean, I want mine, some bitch ready to fly right out of the box. I have no interest. I ain't got, ain't got no time to build no big ass scale model. Oh no, I, yeah, I'm with you. I don't want to build that crap, dude. No, I don't want to paint and yeah, glue. And, no, I just want one. Actually, I kind of, but I want to fly one. I really I could do. see I myself love. building one of those. Really? Oh yeah, dude. I've always wanted to do that. But I'm talking like real scale, like turbine. Oh, see, yeah, no, 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 no. See, that's <laughs> that's that's just real glass not, cockpit. Oh yeah, y- you got another twenty years before you need to get into that stuff. Because at that and point, a much bigger shop, you need a really big shop for that. Yeah, see, I'm I'm more like on the level of like a like they have those seven hundred class like Cobra ones or Apache ones that like uh, RC Aerodyne has. Where they come and everything's, I mean, you got to build it like a regular heli, but you're not, I'm, I'm not like paper macheing shit and, you know, however they build those scale things. You're not getting schematics from Bell paper. Helicopter and having your little machine <laughs> Yeah, I'm not cutting shop. anything uh, out on a, on a table out of wood or none of that. <laughs> I like the MD500 in the cool paint job that Mikado does it in. I just don't like the $1,000 price tag for that. Now that, what do they call those? Fun scales? I don't know what they're called. I would 3D to the shit out of a fun scale. Dude, I, do you guys remember at our fun fly when uh, um, Aerodyne brought those big ass, I don't even know what, were they bells? Yeah. Yeah. Dude. Mm -hmm. Those, dude. Awesome. Huge. Yeah. You remember that, that Apache looking one or whatever it was? That's what I want. I would totally rock one of those. And I would love, I would actually put a tremendous amount of effort and dedication to flying it, to like actually learning the scale moves, learning the capabilities of the model in real life, and trying to replicate it. I definitely would do that. No question. I just don't want to. get a big it. ass one that's got the RCHN logo painted black. Oh, that'd be so nice. Wouldn't that be nice to have a fun flies? That would be pretty cool. We you can do should, candy drops with it. You should buy it and I'll fly it. Yeah, no. Oh. No. <laughs> Jesse, you're pretty quiet on this. What do you think about scale, dude? He's not into it. He doesn't Yeah, it. I I mean, I definitely agree with you guys. It sounds it's too much work up front. I mean, if it's something that's already put together, it'd probably be something I'd fly every once in a while. So you it's basically it ready to go. It's a retired man's Yeah, rig. if I could sit there all day and glue sticks to the thing then yeah. yeah, then, you know, maybe. Well, Justin and I will just go, we'll that. stick with the snap together models for now. Yeah, yeah I'm good with that. I, I I mean, if I do get into it, it's got to be a few snap togethers. I mean, you got to do it the wrong way, right? Where you spend a whole bunch of money on garbage until years later you realize your mistake and you do it the right way. Yeah. Oh, come on. And that's past. how you got into the hobby. No, we're past this. <laughs> Oh, Nick. <laughs> Jesse, yep. you got any news? Someone, uh, you know. Right here. Hey, I'm not done. Right here. Oh, oh, 700 class. Size super scale Apache AH64. How much? 
Uh, for the low, low price of $2,300. Whoa. And is that just the fuse or is that with mechanics? Well, it, it's got mechanics all into it. Because remember, like I remember looking at these at our fun fly. And it was like, dude, this is awesome. So, like, what platform is it built around? They're like, well, what do you mean? I said, well, it's empty inside. Like, no, it's not. It's all in there. Because it was all tucked up at the top. Like, it was crazy. So, this is mechanics and everything all in there. You just have to put your electronics in there. That's a lot, though. Would one call that a boutique, Kelly? (laughs) I feel once it crosses the $1,800, $1,900 airframe... Really? Yeah. It's, it's going to be boutique. That's the that's the threshold for boutique? Well, I mean, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's the, yes. Mhm. I huh. think that's fair. Anyway, all right. Oh, so that's it. No news from Compass, huh? Do they even Not exist anymore? Now they're thinking about canceling it. <laughs> like the Dukes? Dukes of Hazzard? Yeah. Cancel yeah. all that shit? Yeah, just All right. It. And no speed news? No... Really? No, dude, I'm good. No news for me. Wow. I don't have any news either. Does that surprise you guys? Nope. <laughs> Not at all. All right, well, then maybe we should just delve right into it, huh? Let's do that. Now that I've owned two full sets of BK high-voltage coilless servos, I can honestly say that these are the best full-size cyclic servos I have owned to date. These things are crazy fast, with a speed of 0.049 seconds per 60 degrees, and plenty strong, with a torque rating of 295-inch ounces, Oh, and to top all this off, they're only 99 bucks a piece. So whether you're looking to replace an old set of worn out servos or outfitting that brand new heli, be sure to head over to bkservo.com. What are we talking about this week? I don't know. know. The show notes. Oh, dude. We're talking about... The apparent decline in the hobby. Is it real? Is it actually a decline? Or is it too early to tell yet? My trailer would say otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. You're right. There, there, there are a few people like us that spend such obscene amounts of money that we offset the, <laughs> the other ob- people leaving. Oblivious to the rest of reality? I don't know. Well, I mean, what, what brings this to mind is... The recent events that have happened. I mean, uh, you know, you, we hear about all the events down south, how there's a, the numbers I've been hearing is like a 20% decline in participation in the events. And of course we heard, you know, we saw the, that the uh, uh, extreme XFC was declined in participation as well, or events, or I'm not exactly sure how to, was it uh, spectators? What Probably what? just spectators events as you know as a whole the people that came to watch and all that what do you suppose is driving that the shitty economy or 
Are we losing interest in helicopters and moving towards multirotors? I don't know. I mean, I feel like the economy thing is a little played out. I mean, may- maybe maybe that's ignorant of me, which I'm very open to because yeah. most of my comments fit that category quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> but I I don't know. I think that, you know, multirotors have definitely impacted it. And I'm not, uh, you know, I think they have taken uh, maybe potential new people and not brought them in because let's face it, this hobby is a constant rotation. Yes, there are those of us that are just like diseases that you can't get rid of, but there, is, I I believe that it also has a pretty high pass through rate. You know, lots of people starting four fifty size. Screw this, I'm out. Or yeah. you know, they make it up to the six hundred and they drive their first six hundred in two weekends in a row, and that's it. It's game over. Wife puts the kibosh on it, and you know. You're back to golf faster than you knew it. So I that, you know, that constant rotation of people, I believe that multi-rotors have definitely snagged more of the new people. Um, I, I feel like the people that are, have gone from helis to multi-rotors. Now, when I say multi-rotor, I'm, I'm more referencing like the big craze of the FPV racing thing. Yeah, not not aerial photography and video or any of that. We're talking about recreational multi rotors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't feel like any of the guys are are have given up on heli so much. But there, you know, there are a lot of those events now popping up. Yeah, people are focusing and putting effort into like, okay, wow, we're let's have FPV races. So. You know, as that goes up, heli events are going to go down. But I also kind of feel like, you know, every every hobby has trends, you know, and you have uh, generations. And I, I, you know, I've I've done a lot of different hobbies, and I've seen that a lot where in between generations you get kind of these weird you know sinusoidal highs and lows of attendance oh what dude big word there yeah you want me to write it down in crayon for I you i would love for you to do uh, that plus and then on top of that i would like to you to give me the definition of that word and to draw it i can definitely draw it <laughs> i can do yeah, uh, up and down like a wave. How about there you that? Go. A nice rolling wave of everything's up and then everything's down. And so, I mean, we might be in a lower trend, but it's not everything. I mean, I don't know. How do I put it? I feel like I think people get complacent at stuff. You know, events get to where they do the same thing do the same thing, do the same thing. You're going to expect the same thing three, four, five years in a row. And then all of a sudden you have one bad year and, and it really can set you on a downward, you know, slope fast. You have to, this whole hobby is about innovation and constantly pushing. And I think just as susceptible as the helicopters are to this, I think that events are. You know, you can't just say, I'm going to go because, well, because I always go. You know, you have, uh, 
you have things that stick out in your mind that happened. And when those things are popular for a couple of years and they go away, you're like, oh, well, okay. I don't know. It's not a big deal if I skip it this year. But that event needs to come up with something to replace that with to make it new and fun. You know, I mean, that's that's something we push around here. Jeez, it's a, that's a, that's one of our like five things we live by. You constantly have to be willing to change and mold and push and innovate and try and come up with something fun. Because, I mean, if we did the same exact thing every single week, we would see the same results. So, you know, is it, is it that odd? I think I it's think a little the, deeper than that, though. I think it is. I, I was going to say the same thing, Dan. I mean, the events, I, I view that more as a symptom exactly of the problem right and there are many symptoms yeah that's uh, fair you 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 can look at it a, a bunch of different ways i think uh your use of sinusoidal was very well done it is a cyclic industry just like anything else out there it's got ups and downs and the generation thing it's an interesting concept nick i, I mean i think we're definitely seeing even more so in the last year or two, what I would call sort of the emergence of the next generation. You know, five, six years ago, at least from my perspective in the hobby, uh, we had the the generation of pilots that were looked up to were an older generation. And I'm not saying those guys don't take offense. I'm not saying you guys aren't still looked up to. They're still the legends in the hobby, but they've even taken a backseat now from a a pure skill standpoint because these little kids roll up at the age of eight and they're doing crap that wasn't even, you know, imagined to be capable five or six or ten years ago. So Mm -hmm. the, the, the progression of the 3D maneuvers has been insane and. There are so many little kids that are coming up and little and, you know, six, eight, 10, 15, even 20, I'd say is young in comparison to the previous generation that changes things. Uh, I, I also feel like to a certain extent in the 3D world, it feels saturated and I don't mean it from a market standpoint, but from a media standpoint, there are so many good people and they're all doing a variation on a theme so what are the next steps right how how do you like you were saying nick it's all about innovation and pushing the limits what limits can be pushed in terms of flight skill at this point well i also kind of feel hey what do you think about this i'll lose this one sorry so i'm gonna interrupt or else it'll it'll be gone um I feel like the last generation of pilots were more involved. The guys that were looked up to, you know, Krause. Respected. Uh, uh, respected, Bodos, yes. Bennett. Yep, Bodos, yep. Bennett, Curtis, all Zabo, of those guys. Yep. I feel like they were more involved in the hobby. You know, they they went to fun flies and they were involved at that fun fly. They put, you know, like I, I still reference um, Curtis's like auto clinic. You know what I mean? Yep. yep. Um, 
in all of those times where they were out there working with people and being involved in the in the rest of the hobby a lot of these guys now they're they're incredible pilots they they're got their full sponsorship life is good but they really just show up and fly that's what i was going to say i'm going to offend people but it a good majority it or at least on average it feels like we have a huge crop of incredibly talented demo pilots. Yeah. Yes. And yes. competitors. I would agree. Right? Yep. And I mean, uh, hey, I mean, we go we're back friends to what we but... said before, right? The, you got to have pieces of ass which get up there and just do what they do best, and that's throw down. And then you got to have people that are technically competent. And ever so often, you get lucky enough to find someone that's got a decent mix there. I think because of the age they have the opportunity to learn how to be technically competent if they so choose at an earlier age yeah. than maybe some of the previous generation. But that doesn't seem to be what's emphasized as a value as much as that kid's 14. He can't drive a car, but look at how he can fly. But how would you connect that to the decline in interest in the hobby? Well, I think it it just it gives you a less of a sense of ownership. And for the record, I'm not going to blame these kids. I couldn't hold a conversation with a dozen adults when I was 12. I couldn't yeah. sit there and teach someone about anything. I mean, I would be, that's intimidating. That's something that, that's a life skill that you simply get with age. And like you said, Justin, mm -hmm. as the age goes down, the the sense of ownership and and what they do is just, it's natural for it not to be there. So, Jesse, how does that relate? I think that as people who just watch and who are learning and who want to be, I mean, like, you know, we got skin in this game. Uh, you know, we got blood in this game and, and we're in it. But a lot of these guys, that they're all, they're just YouTube people to them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when you show up at a fun fly, that one person can, you know, if they're not, if you don't connect with them on a level, I think it just, it you really miss out on that aspect of the sport. I I go back to like my first time at Snohomish. The, the best thing that at that fun fly that I had happen to me was here. I was flying V-Bar 4.0, you know, way up here all by ourselves. And didn't have a, I mean, I'd literally learned how to tune 4.0 by myself on a T-Rex 600 Nitro. And I had no concept if it was good or not. And I just asked Matt Bodo, say, hey, will you fly this? I need to know how it flies, if it's, what's to this? And he flew it and he was like, dude, don't touch anything. This is great. Nice job. And that was an immediate, like, I, you know, I don't want to say like fanboyish, but it's like, okay, there we go. Bodo's fan for life. There was an immediate connection of this guy just took the time to do something for me. Now I have an additional connection to this hobby, something that I look forward to every year. I don't, how do I put this and not make it sound rude? I do not look forward to going to the Snohomish Fun Fly to watch Matt fly. I go, I look forward to go to that fun fly to hang out and to talk. 
With all the time and money you put into your hobby, the last thing you want to do is throw away your flight experience on bad blades. From the feel of the heli in the air to its appearance on the ground, which blades you choose to bolt on is one of the most important decisions you have to make. That's why you need to put those old and busted blades to the side and make the switch to some new hotness. Brought to you by Burt Kammerer of BK Designs, switch rotor blades are sure to put the finishing touches on your heli. Whether you're into sport flying, hard 3D, or F3C, switch rotor blades will get the job done on everything from a 250 to an 800 class heli. And we're not just talking about main blades here. Switch has tail blades and night blades too. So stop wasting your time not flying the last brand of blades you'll ever need and make the switch today. www.switchrotorblades.com And Jesse, I mean, I still, your question is a valid one, is how does all this play into it? And, uh, you know, I think, there are a couple of ways it could, and it's all speculation, right? These are all opinions. I don't, don't necessarily mm-hmm. have fact behind it. But you, with the younger crop of people who, as we've been describing, are probably less socially engaging as the last generation. I, yeah. I'm not pointing fingers here, guys. No, and not I'm all really, of them. I'm, I mean, I'm it's just not all generalizing. Yes. Perception's reality. That's my perception. It could be skewed. I, I can accept that. But less socially engaging, okay? You combine that with the massive amount of skill that these kids have. Now, that's always going to inspire a certain subset of the population to say, damn it, I want to be like that. And it just drives them on. And then others are like, dude, I'm never going to be able to do that. I can't even get the thing to hover in one spot for five seconds. So it can be, to a certain extent, a downer. Combine that with the incredibly steep learning curve of a heli and the increasingly shallow learning curve of multi-rotors with almost instant fun factor. And now you get a couple of people that say they see they see one of these young guys just throw down and they say, I'm going to go do that. They pick up their T-Rex 450 or their Goblin 380. They drive it in and and they have an experience like Dan has and they're crashing yep. often they're spending money Dan's a lucky one that he actually stuck through that yeah, I bet you we lost a lot of people to similar stuff then they see the multi-rotor and they say oh crap this is a lot easier so there we go that's gone they're hooked for the people who have been bored but are experienced they get a taste of the multi-rotor and if you mm-hmm. think about it Each of these hobbies, and even within the hobby, 3D, Speed, F3C, they're little clicks, they're niches, and you get used to being around and socializing with a group of people that are like-minded, okay, online or locally. When you take a step away from, let's say, the 3D world, and you take a six-month or a, you know, one-year sabbatical and you go to multi-rotor, now you're in with the multi-rotor crowd. How easy yep. do you think it's going to be to reintegrate with the 3D cl- crowd when there are now new names, they've moved on to different people, there's new technology, there are new you know, top pilots. So things move so quickly, it, I think it's hard 
when you when you what do I want to say? We were, I was talking to a buddy about this recently, and and what we said was it's hard when you are invested in a hobby like this because it is very mm-hmm. addictive. And most people, if they stick around, they're all in. And that becomes a lifestyle. Change that, and it's hard to get back to that lifestyle. And multi-rotors is a different lifestyle, right? Or F3C, or speed. So I think in sort of a roundabout way, that that's how I view it. Yeah, and I think, Nick, like I know that I really agree with one of the points you made with, you know, how the the hobby is cyclical and it does go up and down. And I kind of think that due to the, you know, the popularity in multi-rotor, it's pulling in a lot of those new people. And now we're kind of seeing this wave or a decline where maybe a bunch of people are starting to look at other hobbies and yeah, we're just not getting that. uh, There's just not a bunch of new people looking into the helicopter hobby. They're all going to the multi-rotors or, planes or like you said something easier to fly so this might be the first time where we're kind of going through that first cycle where we don't have all those fresh new pilots coming in let me let me add to that because i agree that it is anything is cyclic in nature i mean everything is that way but i think there's one aspect that is more prevalent during this downturn if you want to call it a downturn we have no hard facts to back that up that might be pushing it a little harder and maybe putting more of a negative, you know, impact on some people's thoughts. And that is the growth of social media during this particular downturn. Because if you consider back five years ago, six years ago, we had social media, but it wasn't nearly as impactful as it is in today's world. Mm -hmm. So, we had forums and you saw pissing matches, but now as you know, the, the, the hobby takes a downturn. Uh, you've got guys kind of wondering if it's worth it to throw money at the hobby, to buy this, to buy that, try to keep up with the Joneses. You add to that the ever growing social media where every day when you log on, you see, people putting other people down for flying this. You see fanboys or people that just are blatantly saying shit because they want to be seen in a good light by somebody. Mm -hmm. And I think that adds to the negative side of what I guess people my age would, are, would are dealing with. It's like, I just don't remember as much negativity and maybe it was because I was blinded by the excitement of a new hobby the first three or four years I was into it. It just seems this last year, two years, it's just every time you turn around, somebody's trying to get a rep rep position. Somebody's bitching about this or somebody's, you know, saying something about that brand or this brand. And, and it's just, it's a never ending. You, you see it on the forums, you see it on Facebook, you see it on Twitter, it's everywhere. And I really I think fe- it's just, I oh, really ahead, feel sorry. that that puts a negative in some people's minds and that it makes it all the more enticing to go back to golf or bass fishing or let's try multi-rotors because I still want to fly shit. 
Maybe I want to go back to planes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I I think yeah. that there's and I I think there's two sides to that. Two two layers to that. One is that social media makes everything more apparent. My guess is that a lot of that same dirty stuff was still there all before. <laughs> Good point. It just, Nick. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's like saying, well, oh, sure it was. I'm sure people it was. are killing each other at a higher rate. No, we just now all know about it. You know, wars are no worse now or better than they were back in the day. We but just get I would agree, I would agree, but let me add this. Those pissing matches were kept where they should be between the people who were pissing at each other and not because everybody they, else. That's right. Because Or or just at that club. Yeah. You know, right. it, it was yeah. local. It was limited. Now... Everyone can see it, and you're right, Nick. There's probably no greater prevalence, uh, you know, percentage of population-wise of these sorts of issues now than there was five years ago. The difference is, as Dan's saying, now it can impact a lot more people. And now that is what ties into my second layer, which is I think because of that risk factor, which, you know, we're uh, we have become aware of it's something that we are definitely aware of and you know it it's a it is a balance that we play every single time we come on the show we try to do you know i'm not going to say that we try we come on here and it's we're giving it to you how it is but we also know and have learned over the you know uh, over this show growing that uh I can get my point across in a couple different ways. You know, I can let someone know that I don't care for something in a couple different ways. And maybe some of those ways can be extremely harmful to that manufacturer or that company. And we don't want to do that, you know. Um, but I, I think that so because of that risk, I mean, a couple people go on there and they say they have problems with company X's tail shafts. It explodes on Facebook and social media. And within a very short amount of time, I mean, the sales of that model, it is a, it's a drastic drop. So with that, the companies are, they have to be more aggressive with their trying to get stuff out there. It's kind of, it's kind of almost like no one plans for a model to last more than two years. So the new goal is not to make the best helicopter possible. It's to sell the most in the shortest amount of time and then be ready to go on to the next. Because it is now, at some point, it has become socially acceptable for something to only be hot for six months. Yeah. Where I guarantee you that people were flying the shit out of their stratuses and their... It's the computer market. That's exactly it's the consumer it, yeah. electronics yep, exactly. market. Absolutely. So you got to get out there. You got to hit it hard. And yep. part of hitting it hard is signing up every Joe Schmo possible to get on that rep team to try and push that name as big as possible. And yep. that, I think that has played a big role because this is not like cell phones. This is an expensive hobby. And it is so easy to get sucked into, like Justin, like you said, that if you, you know, if you get sucked into the flying side of it and then you don't have the self-control and you also get sucked into the having the new and the fresh and the brand new, dude, you can drive yourself into a hole real fast. 
both financially and oh, yeah. mentally. Oh, yeah, dude. Absolutely. Easily. Because you don't have that appreciation for, well, you know, God, it just, it works. I really enjoy it. Jesse and I were having this conversation out at the field, you know, like him yeah. and his, his chronos. Or it just, you know, Compass and the 7HV. He's like, yeah, you know, come out here. It's like, when it are you going to get something different? <laughs> yeah, because I'm on the other side of it. You know, I love having new stuff. But he's like, God, dude, I can't yeah. outfly it. Why? And it's, it's reliable for me, so why? And I think there's just a lot less of that. You know, that's kind of our nature, and I think it affects our hobby in a big way because it is such a big risk, commitment, big loss, you know, immediate loss. It can be just huge. You go out and buy your, you know, you maybe spend out of your means or you spend out of your flying skill. You go buy your, you know, KSE edition 700 competition and, and go all in on it. And then you go drive it in the next weekend and have a normal crash. And it's just, it's absolutely devastating because it was so everything you had to get there. And then there's, there just isn't that as much of a personal connection, genuine connection to the hobby or the people in it for you. Cause it's all social media, you know? Yeah, I told 200 of my friends that I got this new heli and they thought that it was cool, but no one in real life really knows me. You know what I mean? And Yeah, true. And I don't have anyone there to help support me and say, "Oh man, you'll, we'll get it, you know. Let's let's do this together or whatever." Kind of like there was just more of a personal level back before. Yeah. That's kind of how true. I see yeah, it. Yeah, that's right? fair. Now I I I want to kind of take it on a on a different path and see what you guys think of this. Uh, you know, when we talk about the decline, we talk about not just the number of people, but the decline in the industry, which is the actual consumer products, right? And depending on what sector of the industry you look at, I think you could say that it's declining or it's flat or it's increasing. Uh, and and. A big thing that has changed in the last couple of years that I wonder if if uh, it plays a role in all of this is how there has been large shifts in power in the industry. Okay, so let's look at airframes five or six or eight years ago. A line was the brand, right? Two years ago, two years ago. Okay, yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. I feel like there was a decline in a line even as recently as two years ago, but that's fair. A, a few years back, a line was the thing. I'm not necessarily saying the most popular in the social media groups because, okay, the hardcore guys don't want to fly a line. It's got to be a different brand. But from a, from a, you know, availability of parts and components and just sheer number of helis at any given field, a line was a winner at many fields across the country and probably the world. Okay. And at that time, there were still a number of companies that were smaller than a line, but well-known names that were doing good business. And, you know, they, they had good followings. And now you, you move on another two or three years from then. And, my perception is a line is probably 
doing what it usually does, but they're not making a lot of fanfare out of it. So they've sort of fallen to the wayside. I don't think they're pushing anything. When was the last time they came out with something new? Well, what what did SAB do? SAB rocked the world two years ago or three years ago now with this new innovative, you know, solid boom goblin thing. And everyone and their mother has an SAB goblin. And... Uh, while I'm, I don't call, I don't want to refer to it as the next align because the companies are two completely different companies from a standpoint of philosophy, design, everything about them, polar opposites, but, but the, the increase in popularity of that brand, I've got to believe has made it incredibly difficult for all the other brands to stay afloat. So, you know, we give you a hard time, Jesse, but where the hell is Compass? Okay, there's one. Matt and Amy have actually done a great thing for themselves, and I feel like they're probably one of the strongest smaller companies out there nowadays. I mean, they, they've progressed a lot, so Synergy's probably healthy. But where's where's Compass? Uh Gowie is there um, and they're a bigger company around the world. I think they're closer in size to a line and SAB, but they're somewhat overshadowed. I would say their innovation is overshadowed by SAB. Um, Minair went away. Alias went away. Uh, you know, I, there's less diversity is what I'm getting at. And that's yeah. got to count for reduction in interest because what we are in this hobby, if we're anything as, as a group is impulsive, irrational, big spenders. And we want what we want. We want it now. And it's got to be the new hotness. And there's not as much new hotness. And when a single brand brings out new hotness regularly, that's great if you love that brand, but eventually you grow tired of it. And where's your next fix? You know, just, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that hurts the hobby as well. What do you think, Dan? I, I agree completely. I mean, uh, I think that, you know, SAB is the new line. I don't, I don't mean, you know, figuratively. I mean, it's the new, it's the new big one. And, and when I, I remember I had an line, but everybody, everybody seemed to have an line, but everyone bitched about a line. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, that's kind of true. That is true. <laughs> you know, I mean, the excess, well, and we talked about that, the quality, the accessory market for, Anything larger than four fifties has just declined drastically. It's gone nearly because uh, I mean, and, and I, I will go so far as to say, and you can call me a fanboy or whatever, but I think companies like SAB set a new standard for quality. They just came out and we're like, you know what? Hey, and if it's not right, we're going to make an upgraded part for it. That'll be good enough, and there's just no need for that anymore. So I, but I agree, Dan. I think they are kind of the new, the common place, if you will. 
And I'm a sad and, panda. And, and you're a sad <laughs> panda. But that doesn't mean, though, that... You know, it's funny. It goes back to what I was saying. That does not mean, though, that everything has to be new and innovative. Because if you have a personal connection, then you combine that with your actual flying and that's what puts it, puts you in it for the long haul. And I keep, you know, I keep going back to this, but there, you know, there are those people like Matt and Amy. Synergy is not the most innovative at all. They're not, but they've got a lot of really diehard followers. Mm -hmm. And why is that? Because they yeah. are in the hobby. That's their right. customer support. You, you their are, models are great, but it starts with Matt. That's you got it. Absolutely. Yep. It starts at them out there at the field, interacting, making that connection with people so that when you go home or you go and you drive your heli in the next weekend and then you fix it and you drive it back in again. And the, your flying is down. You're not feeling confident. You still have something left in the hobby to bring you back in because you can't take away that personal connection. You can't crash that away. Yep. You know, there's still something like, yeah, God, you know, man, this is really hurting, but fun fly X over here is coming up. And I always have so much fun. I just really love hanging out with those guys. All right. I'll put it back together. Maybe I'll, I'll go and I'll have someone help me. And then you get around those people and they give you that encouragement, man, come on, let's go out. I'll help it. We'll check it out. We'll make it. We'll, and then you walk away from that fun fly, just totally rejuvenated to, to, you know, to dig yourself back out of that low. I have absolutely nothing against Duncan Bossian, but never not once have I gone out of a fun fly. And I've, we've been to a couple now that he's been at. Never not once have I gone away rejuvenated because of him. It's the small people. It's the people that give you the connection that keep it going. And if you take away those personalities out of the hobby then it's more a lot shallow. Of people are missing a part of their hobby then. That's right. Yep. Something it's to pull more them back in. And, yep. and it, that does well, work, though, for... And again, you know, it's not everyone's the same. That works for the people that identify with that, those values, Nick, right? The people yeah. that want the personal connection. The people who, like you said, Jesse, you're not out flying the Kronos. What's the point in moving on? It's a great model, right? That's a that's a reasonable, level-headed, logical thought process, and that's awesome. And I bet you a lot of people listening right now envy that resolve. But I'll tell you what, there's a whole slew of people who don't think that <laughs> way and don't care to think that way. And in the market environment that we're in right now, with, in general, a lower level of diversity than we've seen lately in the last five or so years, the the impulsive ones are more apt to move on to something else. Yeah, impulse, and when you contrast jump. that with multi-rotors, where 
everything is new and exciting. I mean, dude, they've got FPV airframes coming out every week and new FPV equipment and goggles and uh, it is exploding. Well, let's let's not also forget that the best of the best aren't particularly eight years old anymore. Yep. Yeah. You know what I mean? These guys out here flying FPV, a lot of them are coming from a different background, and it's a whole new group of people that you can all go out on a field and be even with. You know what I mean? Yeah. And And create... Everyone is excited to be there equally, and even the guys that are really good are excited to be there. So, uh, yeah. Really? Go ahead, dude. I was just going to say what I think's kind of odd is, you know, we've been talking about this, you know, fast paced social media driven advertising and how that's having such a large effect on all the different companies and, you know, models coming out. It really, it's, it's very culturally driven. And so I'm just trying to think ahead and going, okay, so seeing what the last two years have looked like in the hobby, what do, you know, trying to look ahead, what do the next two years look like in the hobby? Because honestly, to turn away or to switch or get out of this rut, if you want to call it that we're in with this very fast paced environment, it almost seems like it's more of a cultural mindset, mental change more than something, you know, that the industry can just decide to do one day. Um, and so just trying to think ahead a couple years, I mean, I don't really know if I see it you know, swinging back to that slower paced, more diverse product set, or if I just see it continuing down the path that we're kind of on. I, well, I think it's a good point, dude. And I think you got the only way you can snap out of it is by coming up with the next big thing. Right. Uh, I disagree. I, no, I completely disagree. And you know why I say that? Because I have experienced something this year that, I can say is very different for me. I was that guy. Had to have the new one all the time, switching, buying, selling, this and that. You know, yes, I mean, uh, let's not shy away from the obvious fact that I am on the SAB team. But let's also be very upfront and honest and say that, okay, any disc, I'll just put this out there. People can say, oh, you're full of shit, whatever. You guys can kiss my ass because this is the truth. I spend just as much money. And I want everyone to know that I spend just as much money and that's okay. But what I learned is that all of a sudden for God knows whatever reason or why I have no idea, but I burnt myself out on the new had to have the new, the fresh all the time, right? Got to try it. This and that because it took away from the part of the hobby that I love the most, which is the flying and the people and the laughing and the joking. It wasn't fun anymore. So for me, maybe I'm rare, you know, or maybe it's I'm I'm the minority, but I burnt myself on it all by myself and have settled into having a lot more fun and going back and enjoying the hobby for why I got into it. And maybe that is what will happen for some people and maybe not. I don't know. But with that being said, 
SAB itself is still pushing, and you're definitely going to be buying models quite frequently, I would think. New models. You know, So I, you've settled on a brand, but the overall thing, I mean, I still kind of feel like the concept's still there. You've just settled on, you know, you're, you're no longer maybe deciding on which one you're going to buy. Yeah, but it's but like I'm okay with that. It's still the that. new thing. You're I not guess. just going to be flying your Goblin 700 for three years. Oh, you know, yeah. You know, that, Jesse, you got a really good point. You're probably right. It's, but I, you're still going to buy the new, the new, the you know, the new thing that comes out in a year or something like that. It's still, you're still jumping. You've just taken one variable out, the company. Yeah, no, that's true. That is absolutely true. But I, I guess maybe that's, that wasn't taking it, that part of it out of it for me gave me a lot more peace than mm-hmm. I expected to. You know what I mean? Yeah, you you definitely still narrowed, you know, you definitely still narrowed in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, no, I, I think, you know, I, I hadn't thought of that. I say you're probably right, although I'd say I'm going to be a little more balanced than maybe expected. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I have one trioblin. I could have every single model that I have flying on all three bladed heads because that's the new and the cool thing. But I only have one. And I'm actually, I enjoy it. I love flying it. I enjoy flying my two blade. They both give me satisfactions for different reasons, so I'm good to go. You know, I guess maybe in my defense a little bit, but you're probably right. <laughs> yeah, I, I, but I still think you're in the minority, Nick. I mean, that's great. I'm glad you got there, but I don't think a lot of people do get there. Or, I mean, it took you five years. Plus, oh, yeah. let's face it, you're getting to be somewhat of an old bastard. That so, is very fair. you know, things change <laughs> with age. And I'm just, I'm giving you a hard time on it. But honestly, things do change with age. Oh, and, and so, you bet. You know, I, I, I want to go back to what you said about it being a, you know, a cyclic industry. It's true. All industries are, but rarely does any industry return back to a historical state. Now it may come close, but there's always a slight difference. And I, I think that's, that's kind of what we have to look, look forward, uh, when we when it's we kind think of fatalistic, about isn't it? Well, I I don't because know because if you if you are looking at it that in that sense, what you're saying is the heyday of the RC helicopter is in its past. No, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not saying that. I can see how you're interpreting it that way, but no, that's how I took it. What I'm what I'm saying is that the the thing of the day changes with so many factors the social media the culture the direction that the manufacturers push it that the big names in the hobby push it it's constantly evolving and so i'm not saying that the heyday is gone i'm saying that maybe a certain aspect that was more popular or exciting five or ten years ago will never reach that former glory but something's coming in to take its place. Yeah, now right? that's fair. So oh, I just mean, like we're at, FAI speed guys. Every company out that you you look at it in light of everything that we're talking about here, and the perception that the market is declining, 
and the small guys are probably having challenges and you've got these big companies with the deep pockets, everyone and their mother is trying to get into speed in one way or another. And it's such in its infancy from a mainstream industry standpoint that anything goes. It's a new crop of people. It's a different set of technology and skills and hardware. And so uh, I'm not saying speed is the next big thing or that it'll ever overtake 3D, but it's, it's, it's the same parallel you can draw when you take a step out of the RC heli market and look at the RC aircraft market. And so in, in a sense, planks have always been there. They kind of do their thing. Helis has always been a niche thing that's super excited and it grows quick and dies quick. Well, the new hotness in non-fixed wing is multi-rotor. Yeah, but did you notice? Now, see, I personally think that multi-rotor, I'm a, I almost separate multi-rotor and FPV. Because multi-rotors got real popular about a year ago, right? Year and a half around in there. Every, oh man, multi-rotor, multi-rotor, multi-rotor. But I just feel like it has kind of, I feel like it has kind of died off. I feel like because there was nothing, <laughs> there was nothing cool about it. <laughs> I mean. Well, I, I think you're right. And I think that's why the scene has evolved more strongly. That's right. So FPV. now it's not multi-rotor anymore. It's FPV racing, right? Mm-hmm. And because the excitement wasn't there enough for multi-rotor. The ease was there, but the excitement wasn't. So now we need something more exciting in multi-rotor. And then it'll probably just go to, you know, to something else, and we'll see our highs and lows. Well, I, I, here here's yeah. why I think that it'll stick around in one form or another, and also why the speed thing uh, may make more sense. Because uh, 3D is not for everyone. Okay, and to really be at the top of that game, you've you're in a very small percentage of the the hobby population. Uh, I think both in fixed wing and in in helicopters, although I'd argue more so in helis. Uh, There's something that almost everyone can relate to, and that is racing. Right. Look at the RC car and truck scene on road, off road. Racing is a huge thing, and it goes anywhere from open classes to, you know, box standard spec classes. And multi-rotor FPV racing is the first opportunity to to potentially open that door for the non-fixed wing market. And I think that's enticing to a lot of people because now they're not just competing against themselves or sitting in a backyard or taking turns at the flight station at the field. They can pit themselves against a whole bunch of people that also want to be competitive. And it'll eventually grow to, you know, world champion status or whatever. But it's something that everyone can do and take part in in a local fashion at a fun fly you can set up a multi-rotor race you can set up a speed cup how how many fun flies do we know that have 3d competitions that a bunch of people enter not many because the learning curve is way steeper yeah 
That's true. I wonder, do you think it'll go? Do you think that multi-rotors will get passed up? I mean, is it really the the multi-rotor part of it now that's cool as of right now? Or is it racing FPV? In other because, words, if, you know, we look a couple of years down the road and now we're racing actual pod and booms, is that what you mean? No, but I mean, what about uh, even take helis out of it? I I mean, can you imagine racing EDF jets or, you know, racing bigger yeah. in, in other planks, words, the faster. FPV concept transcends the model type. It is yes. it is yeah. a culture in and of itself. It doesn't at some point you are appreciative of FPV. You don't really care what it is you're flying. That's what yeah. I kind of wonder. Exactly. And it's always got to get bigger and better. Bigger. That's uh, I mean, let's face it. Bigger is always better in almost every industry eventually. <laughs> and I just don't see 250 multi-rotors being the, the top. The peak. Yeah, <laughs> the peak. It's possible. That was it. Hey, Caleb. Would you mind uh, charging up my batteries while I pack up all my helis and other gear so we can head out to the field? I would love to, if I could figure out how to work this charger. It's so confusing. You really need to get yourself a new one. (laughs) You don't have to tell me twice. I know exactly what I'll get. I'm going to head over to revelectrics.com to order myself up a brand new dual PowerLab 8 charger. With the pre-programmable menus and the endless customization, it's extremely fast and easy to charge nearly any battery. Thank God. You're quiet, Dan. Screw multi-rotors. <laughs> They're I only there one. for one thing, Dan, right? To make a paycheck. Yes. That's all they're good for. Amen to that. So I've been sitting here thinking about the more, I don't know, we'll say the sinister side of my thought process. And, you know, we're talking about symptoms of decline and, you know, business theory and all this other stuff. But I, I think there's a kind of an unspoken, I, I just, you don't hear many people talking about it, but I, I really feel this is going to sound kind of shitty, but I'm okay with that. I really feel that a, a huge turnoff is, and I mentioned it earlier, the, the constant grind for somebody to become a rep. Now it almost it, it's almost like that's the only way some people feel they can get enjoyment out of the hobby. Oh yeah, and I really feel that. I mean I, that that I just I do not like that mentality, and it's a turnoff for me, and it, it makes me not want to associate. It makes me suspicious, and. It cheapens the experience. It cheapens it because, you know, they're used to being a rep used to kind of mean something, you know? Yep. It, it, it had value. Yep. But you turn around now, everybody is a rep. What does that mean? And it's either because a given company has chosen to stack their team that way, you know, go, go big quantity, or... 
because there are so many people out there that are shameless at throwing themselves at companies that eventually they're going to, you know, they're going to get a bite. You know what I mean? Right. And and I think you're right, Dan. It cheapens the the hobby for the average enthusiast because no longer do you go to the field um, and necessarily hang out with friends as much as worry about what the next sales pitch is that you're going to have to sit through. Uh, and, and on the other side, for those, I will say, for those of us who do take repping products seriously, it devalues our our position, our status on a given team because, hey, I, I do take it seriously and I bust my ass and I try to help people. And I also put a strong effort into not sounding like I'm shamelessly self-promoting or being dishonest about crap. And you got this guy over here who's doing all of that backhanded shit just because that gets him a discount. And all of a sudden, I wonder if that's who they're bringing on the team. Then do they actually value what I bring to it or what someone else with the same values bring to it? Let me give, oh, you, let me give you an example. Of what and I, mean. I do have one thing I want you to think about, though. And this goes back to our talk about social media. Do you feel, do you, are you willing to say maybe part of the reason you feel that way is because of all of the repping that you see is on social media? It's overwhelming on social media. The douchebaggery is overwhelming it is. with the repping. But, but it's also when very you go real. to the, field and when you go to the fun flies I was just gonna say, is it is it as bad and as blatant yes or yeah. are people more me, keyboard commandos than they are I think people are life? more willing to become asshats behind a keyboard but let me give you i'm sure i'm not going to name names and i'm going to say this happened in the last three years okay and it's happened multiple times where i would be having a conversation with somebody who is affiliated with brand x and I hear all kinds of horror stories because they're talking to me and I'm, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm certainly not going to say who, what, where, when. All right. So, all right, well, I'm hearing some not so good things, but then it'll be a month later. I'll see a post just, it's like the obligatory, oh my God, this is the best thing ever. But yet a month <laughs> yeah. ago. I was just in a conversation and I was hearing the horror stories. I don't even think it's a month ago. It could have been the yeah, weekend just, before. Well, I'm just exactly. trying to be nonspecific here. The point is, it's it's that. I just, I just, I really have an issue with the race. I like, I don't get these emails anymore because I don't respond to them. Uh, you guys get them. What 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 would you suggest I do to become a rep? If you don't know what you need to be doing, you got no business being a rep. Yeah, sense? what you're saying is maybe you haven't. Let me. Here's. A, I mean, are you saying maybe you haven't put your skin in the hobby long enough to deserve even, a spot? No, I don't even care about that. But if you don't, if you can't conceptualize 
what a company wants or needs from a true rep. And there are a lot of really good reps out there. I'm not going to deny that. But if you don't, if you can't conceptualize what it is a company wants and you need to ask advice, well, maybe you're not set up personally to have, I, for me, example, I, I, I don't particularly, I don't like, I'm not a people person. We went over that last week, right? I'm not, I'm <laughs> not about to go make day. a sunny yeah. post on Facebook about some brand just because I'm obliged to do it. But that's part of the process. If you want to become involved with a company, you, that's, that's your job, right? You have to do that. And that's, that's the, the kind of the sticky, sicky part that I don't like. Uh, you know, it's like a guy grabs, gets his, his thrills from the hobby by who he's affiliated with, as opposed to just enjoying the hobby for the sake of enjoying the hobby. I mean, is he, and again, I'm not trying to say that there's a lot of good reps out there. We all know that, but should a rep be more interested in growing the hobby and the people he's representing more so than he is in growing his own persona. Oh yeah, and it's very, mm-hmm. it's very hypocritical and counterintuitive because you say you're being a rep because you're there to try and help, but if you jump around all the time, you're you're potentially harming the hobby as a whole more than you're helping it. And I mean, I I say that, and I guarantee you, there's a bunch of people that just went. Mm-hmm, Mr. Lent. Hey, <laughs> I went through that phase. I'm a big enough person to say that I got sucked into it. I did. No question. I am not going to deny that one bit. I did get sucked into it. I saw the good side. I saw the bad side. Now, I'm happy with where I'm at now. And why am I happy? Because my intentions for being a rep in the beginning, you know, it, it was because I loved that product. My first rep deal, I didn't ask anyone. I didn't anything. I loved this specific company's stuff, and I just flat out sent them an email. said, hey, here's the deal. I love your stuff. I love the products you got coming out. I'm really enjoying this one or this one. If I can ever help. Let me know. That was the entire extent of that email. Yep. There was no flight video. There was no nothing. And that person was like, yeah, actually, you know what? That's awesome. Thanks. So I've been there. I've been in all sides of it. And I've taken those ones where it's like, I, you know, took a rep deal because I thought it'd be cool because I didn't have a this sponsor or a that component sponsor. And then I just, I felt like a fool, you know, and I, I had to dig myself back out of that hole. And I know that to some people, they still feel that it's jaded, you know? And I, I mean, Hey, that's, I, everyone's got a right to their opinion. Dan, you know, Dan, Dan, you and I, and Justin, we had a pretty heated conversation about this a little while ago. Uh, you know, in private and in our differences and opinions and 
I think you just gotta, you know, I've heard people blatantly say, I'm not going to fly that if I can't rep for that company. Yeah, I I have actually yeah, heard I've, people say I've that. I've heard before. that as well. That, that makes my skin boil. Well, it does the opposite to me. It says, you know what? You're hurting the hobby. Please don't. Yep. Fly it because you want to help or because you love it. You know, because you 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 just love everything. And that doesn't mean that it's not perfect. That it is perfect, I mean. Absolutely, it does not. I'm so sick and tired of this whole, really? That's weird. I've never even heard of that. Oh, you're so full of horse shit. Yeah. You know, say, yeah, you know what? I've ran into it a couple times. Here's what we found. Either, hey, you know what? We haven't found a solution yet, but can I get your name and email address? And as soon as, as, soon as the company kind of figures out what's going on, I'll let you know right away. That is being a rep. Yep. You're all whores, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Product whores. <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> I, I think know. it was a good point nice. though dan because it does make it has a it has an impact it really yeah. does it just cheapens the whole hobby for me i mean um it just especially when i have conversations with people and face to face where they're talking to me they can see me and they can see me reacting to what they're saying and then a short while later i'll see a post whether it's on a forum or on facebook and I, I'm just like, just what, what is your deal, dude? Why, I mean, tell me seriously, what, why? I just don't understand. I guess I don't get it. I don't get that. I just don't get that two face bullshit. Yeah, but that's not everyone. It, it absolutely isn't everyone. I mean, there's some fantastic yeah. reps out there, and and uh, you know, it kind of does a disservice to those guys. That oh. really are focused. Yeah, it does on a product. And yeah, that's a that's a that's a spot that I know I've been in. You know, you're kind of got a team like kind of coming up and and growing and something, and you're going, man, I just I love this stuff. Um, got an opportunity. Heck yeah, I am way on board. I love what the company's doing. I love the product. That's a perfect situation to be in, where you're standing by it a hundred percent. And then they just freaking blow the team out. I mean, it went from you were the first, like, of the first 10 reps, and, and you know all the other guys. You're like, yeah, this is going to be great, man. We're freaking stoked. And then it's like, you know, my grandma's got a rep for the same company, and you're like, <laughs> what? <laughs> You never even <laughs> teammates. <laughs> you never even flown the shit before. That one does yeah. drive me nuts when someone hasn't flown it. I yeah. I agree with you completely, dude. I yeah. I have a or when you get the oh when you get the message. Hey, what do you think about this? I don't know. I I think it's a you know it's a good product. It's got its pros and it's kind of oh okay. I was just kind of curious because I have an opportunity to rep for him. like. You Wait a minute! Did asked. you just ask me whether you should rep for this product because <laughs> you haven't flown it yet? Yeah. Oh, that's a <laughs> big old smack my head. Uh, you know, the biggest thing I can say is, don't be a product whore in that way. And if you like the product, show it. 
regardless of whether you're affiliated with them, right? You know, that's how how it happens. It's word of mouth. And uh, oftentimes, if you are unofficially repping things the right way and your your intentions are good, then you're going to get recognized. And a company may come to you and say, hey, you know, you, you're interested in a rep deal. And then, you know, you think about it and make your decision from there. Or if there's applications, okay, go apply. Sure, if you really think you've got what it takes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Bah. Hmm. Lords. <laughs> All y'all. Hmm. All y'all. That means everybody, by the way. Oh, I know you, man. We got it. <laughs> I love how you guys just let me spew my negativeness and don't say anything about it. Like, oh, it's Dan being Dan. Dude, uh, you it's know, Dan, I, I think Dan, it's a completely valid point. Just let him go. If we didn't do that, it wouldn't be us. Because that's that's you. That's another good thing. Man, it, it just, just like Ranto 30 here. I get so sick of people not recognizing or respecting that Yes, we all represent RC Heli Nation as a company and as a podcast, but we are all very individual in our own way. You know, I caught, I shit you not, I got my ass chewed in an email <laughs> for, for, for Dan talking shit about something. I love it. <laughs> Keep that up, by the way. Every time I bitch about something, send the hate mail to Nick. I send love Nick that. Nick. And I was like, yeah. wait a minute. Maybe you should send this to him. I actually kind of defended the product. And I never, like, yeah, I never did well, get an email. Yeah, well, I just feel that it's very inappropriate. Well, I feel that your email was very inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> We're all very much individuals, and and it's that's cool. I like that. I like that, you know. And um, but no buddy company or anybody is going to influence what we say. I mean, one way or another. I mean, it's uh we I mean, obviously if we go overboard, we might reconsider something, but for the most part, we're going to say what's on our mind. And everyone has those moments. I've had moments, you know, that I I definitely I've said a lot of I, I won't say a lot of things. Um, and I'm not going to say that I regret them, but that I've learned from, you know, I've We've said some pretty hard, harsh oh, yeah. things I've on never here. Been there. What are you talking about? <laughs> Shit. You're right, dude. You no, are. You said some. You are the most Dan. PC tactful individual of this foursome. <laughs> yes. Uh, I regret for you. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't give a shit. Well, and I don't either, but I also don't want to be hurtful. And don't want to be depends harmful. upon who it's pointed at, and I can get. <laughs> I don't care. I'll hurt you, you see what we have to deal with every week, all week. This is this is what this is the. Jesse's the one who just said he doesn't care. What Jesse just oh, said? Whatever. He doesn't care. I'll hurt you. Uh, yeah. Anyway, good combo. Yeah, I suppose it's getting about that time to wrap it up and uh, go to bed or something. Drink another bottle of whiskey. Another, <laughs> another going for two. Well, maybe we should do some emails. What do you think? Yeah, let's do that. So you can send Nick some hate mail. 
please I love, send me. I love it well, when he... Okay, I'm going to make a request of the listeners. If you are going to send any of us hate mail, send it to all please of us. do it, but send it to all of us because that shit's entertaining. Because then I can, be, <laughs> I can call up Nick and be like, dude, that guy just tore you a new asshole. And Nick will be like, what, dude? I didn't even say, oh, you didn't get the email where he just called you a D-bag? Yeah. <laughs> it is fun because then we don't have to say, dude, email it to me, forward it to me. Yeah. Hey, I want one quick, totally sidetracked shout out. Uh, I have been spending a lot of time lately in search for a new camera for myself um with our fun flies coming up and video production stuff and more pictures and all of this i was on the hunt to take my equipment to the next level and i need to say a huge shout out to um a guy that you guys know the name goes by crash expert oh yeah it's been Mm -hmm. are you kidding uh, me yeah Seriously? That guy yeah. knows something about cameras? He knows a lot. Wow. A lot about cameras. I didn't even know it was him. Good old CE. I had no idea that it was him, but he's a big fan of the show, and he's been spending a lot of uh, his personal time explaining and talking about stuff, and I just I really appreciate that. So I wanted to say thanks. It helps me out. I don't have a ton of time, so when I find someone that's, can carry a, uh, you know, open-minded conversation. Uh, it's really cool. So thank you. We must That's be talking it. about a different crash ex- expert then. I'm only know. kidding, giving him shit. I've had a <laughs> you're few, mean, Dan. I had a few run-ins. Yeah, guys. you're ruthless, Dan. I know, right? Your sinister side is coming out. Your sinister side is coming out. Your sinister side is coming out. I think. Speaking of, it, I want to make a quick mention before so we go finister. into emails. <laughs> I, w- I, I just cannot express enough how awesome it is to be back on Heli Freak. Oh, Jim is the man. I just, it's been so yeah. nice. And the, and the activity in our listeners' corner is fantastic. And, uh, you know, what brought made me think of that was the, that whole thinister thing you just did with the lift. Yes. Uh, oh, and the, that, that picture Mike, of Mike Tyson. Now kiss. Oh, no kiss. Now kiss. <laughs> but no, it's. I think it's awesome. That was a great. You know that discussion was. You guys got to understand. This is just. This is how we roll on the on the show, off the show. We are all, uh, well, except for Dan. We are all very thick skinned here. What? what? <laughs> What? Oh, damn. Dan, you have your moments. Yeah. <laughs> you have your moments. I fucking hate but... all three of you guys. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but that was a great, you know, that was a great conversation uh, uh, on Heli Freak. If you guys haven't seen it, uh, there was a lot of stuff that was brought up about the Velos. You know, we came right out and we're just, we did. We pulled a bunch of stuff out of our rear as far as cost. We had no idea that it was uh, feasible for it. Uh, to be ran on two smaller 700 power systems. I mean, it's an assumption if you're going to buy a $2,000 airframe, you're going to throw high-end components okay, in and it. Of course you are. And, and you probably will, but... You don't have to. I think that it's... You don't have to, and that's really good to know. So, in its weird 
twisted, semi-hateful, resentful sort of way, that conversation, a lot got brought out, you know, about that model that I I don't think a lot of people knew. And that's, that's the point. you know, but at the, it's a strange way to get the, the info out there, but that's the point though, is that it's okay. We, we enjoy that. I'm not looking for everyone to agree with us. No, and Come fact, back and say, dude, you guys have your head so far up your rectum. Okay, well, guess what? Then educate us. We are, uh, okay, well, except for Dan, we're very open-minded. What the hell is all this? Yeah, no, but I, I, I agree. You Feel free to speak up. We're not, if... If we had to come on here every week and be 100% correct about everything that we say, A, we'd never get there, and B, it wouldn't be fun. So no. tell us what we screwed up on. No biggie. Yeah. If everybody agrees with us 100% of the time, all the time. It's We're not doing the right doing thing. It's going to get boring. That's right. Got to piss a few people off. I mean, come on. I mean, look what they're doing to me tonight. That ain't yeah. shit. I mean, look what they're doing. Here's the deal, though, right? We don't take it personal. You I'm guys taking it personally. don't take it personally. We don't because we do get. I mean, I've gotten emails where people were seriously butt hurt. Okay. Oh yeah. I mean, sorry guys, but get over it. It's yeah. I'm, I'm fine. My with wife you tells me that you don't like what just happened. I can respect that, even if we don't agree. But just move on. And if it's that I, bad. Don't listen. My wife tells me all the time, oh, I'll come upstairs and be all pissed off about something like my heli's doing this <laughs> or, or you know, some email or this is doing this. And she just looks me square in the eye. And it's like, just get a real problem. <laughs> oh, <laughs> right in the head button. That one hurt. <laughs> yeah. All right. all right. Let's get let's out get of some here. emails. True. Nick. After all that, if you would still like to send me one, uh, you would send that to Nick at rchellynation.com. Jesse? Uh, send it to Jesse at rchellynation.com. Jack Hammer. Justin at rchellynathan.com. <laughs> Sorry, that was, reach that was Justin. Hey, it's my turn now. Got Go it? Ahead, Dan. All right. I'm Dan. What's you can reach email? me at Dan. Your dick is getting smaller. Dank read in the house. <laughs> Dan at rclnation.com. Dan K. Reed on the forums, not Dank Reed. Alrighty, guys. This has been episode 194, 195. If you're Justin, we sure That's hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. <laughs> yeah, I gotcha. <laughs> We sure hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we've enjoyed making it. Have a good week. See you on Monday. Maybe I'll fly my thinner velo in my thinner pants. See you later, guys. Later, guys. This has been a production of RC Heli Nation LLC and is brought to you by Soco Heli Tools, Progressive RC, Rev Electrics USA, Lower Heli, BK Servos, and Spartan Flybarless Systems. 
If you have any comments or questions, please feel free to send us an email.